Good morning. Welcome to Trinity's Daily Podcast. My name is Chris McDaniel, the senior pastor here at the church. And today on this Wednesday, we're going to read Psalm 130 and then pray and spend just a little bit of time together thinking about the Bible and specifically how we might be the kinds of people who pray in the midst of dark times. But before we speak and think and reflect, let's, let's read. This is a psalm of ascent. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray before we we think. God, we ask you to help us uh, today. We, we pray for grace to think deep and true thoughts about the Bible. Lord, I pray that we would be attentive to you, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us, God, maybe uh, a, a lesson now that's really, really important for us, God, which is just how, how we would be the kinds of people who could pray and who would pray, whose instinct would be to pray in the midst of trouble. Help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this is a psalm of ascent, and I love these poems in the book of Psalms because they they were meant to be uh, recited or sang while you were uh, on pilgrimage, while you were climbing. And in that sense, I think the psalms of ascent really are Um, psalms that are meant to be prayed as we climb throughout life, as we journey through life. These are really journey prayers, life prayers. And you'll see in the Psalms of of Ascent that these prayers have an air of hope about them, like you're climbing, you're on pilgrimage. But they also uh, contain real and raw data, um, field data from life. And so these are beautiful. They're, They're some of my favorite. We're just going to look at this one with an eye toward um, how we might become people who pray. So the psalmist begins by saying, out of the depths, I, I cry out to you, God. And he's acknowledging that he's in a low place, that, that he's occupying a dark space. Um, but he doesn't allow the depths and the darkness to silence him. He's trained himself effectively to cry out, uh, maybe especially when he's in a dark place or a low place. And I think this should get us to to ask the question, when we're in a low place or a dark place, when we're in the depths, if you will, do we pray? Too often, I think the answer is probably no, or at least not at first. Sometimes when we find ourselves in a a deep, dark place, we feel sorry for ourselves, or we try to fix the problem and the hurt on our own, or we self-medicate, check out, numb out. But, But the psalmist actually has trained himself to say, life involves dark places life is not just lived on the mountaintop or in pleasant valleys but occasionally we all find ourselves in the depths of despair in dark places bunyan in his book the pilgrim's progress referred to the sloth of despond just those places in life where we get into the into the ruts into the channels and y'all we're in we're in that place right now as a society where we're sitting with a reckoning really of a nation's history regarding race our 
our own prejudice, systematic racism. We're also sitting in the midst of a pandemic and economic uncertainty. We are in a deep, dark place. There's no getting around it. Well, the poet asks for God's ears to hear him in a low place. There's a hint of concern in the poet's words, concern and worry that maybe he won't be heard. And it's normal to worry that we won't be heard when we're in a dark place. And so he cries out to God and says, Lord, hear me. And I think in that way, <clears throat> he's probably speaking to his own doubt and his own fear as much as he is calling out to God. He's saying, God, I, I, I choose in faith to cry out to you to not be silenced by my circumstances. And I wonder how often we are silenced by our circumstances. How often we allow the, the darkness around us or the darkness that's inside our own hearts to, to shut us down and bottle us up. And here the poet just gives voice. And I think there's a, a lesson here for us. After he asks the Lord to, to hear him, uh, the poet says, God, you don't mark my iniquity. You don't hold my brokenness, my sin, and my vulnerability against me. And I was thinking about what the poet was saying and why he would say something about, God, you don't mark iniquity. And I think the poet understands probably what we need to understand, which is that so much of our sin is, is engaged in response to fear and stress. We oftentimes behave badly, not just because we feel like behaving badly, but because we don't know what else to do or how to respond to difficulty and trouble. I think of unhealthy coping mechanisms when it comes to food and drink and sex and entertainment. These things oftentimes are um, a kind of flailing response to stress and anxiety. Think about your sin. Uh, think about when you sin and maybe why you sin. Think about what's beneath the behavior. See, one of the mistakes we make as evangelicals is we oftentimes just simply focus on feeling ashamed or defiant relative to the behavior. And really, I think what the poet here is trying to get us to see is that much of my iniquity comes um, as a kind of leaky manifestation of my anxiety when I'm in a deep, dark place. And he says, essentially, Lord, there's forgiveness with you. There's a way forward. That's what the poet is saying. And I just want to say to you today that if you're stuck in some pattern, if you feel that in the depths your response has been sinful, there is a way forward. There is a way to receive healing. The Lord's just essentially saying, show up. Don't be silenced. And I think we need to hear that. I think maybe especially when we feel tainted, compromised uh, because of our sin, that tendency to hide. The Lord is essentially through the poet saying, don't hide. God wants to put you into a secure place. And then he pivots to this watchman language, this idea of learning to wait. And I just don't believe we're very good at waiting. Um, and so the imagery of a watchman, a watch person waiting for the morning is really helpful imagery because the waiting that that person would engage is not passive. It's, it's also not hopeless. Uh, a watchman through experience knows that darkness is not the end of the story, but that they need to maintain vigilance and awake uh, alertness in the midst of the darkness because morning's coming. And I would just say to you today that we're in a dark season and yet morning always comes. It may not look like it's going to come. It may not feel like morning's going to come, but morning always comes. And the watchman is assured of this. And I think that there's something about you and me learning how to wait while being assured that daytime is coming 
is going to be really important. I, I think we'll, we'll wait better. We'll wait more effectively if we know that daytime is coming, that there's always an end to darkness. What would your waiting look like in this season in your life if you were assured of God's presence and the fact that God was at work even if you couldn't see him? I think that we're uh, probably all dealing with what, what I'm coming to term uh, hypervigilance, fatigue, or burnout. The, the reality that if you're trying to be on guard all the time, you ultimately just begin to fray at the edges and, and burn out. And I think the Lord would have us to, to, to wait with a kind of sense of um, expectation that this is not going to last forever. Um, the, the Lord is with us in the midst of this darkness. And that's really where the psalm ends. Uh, words like hope, love, and redemption. The poet says we hope in the Lord. Hope looks toward the morning. Hope keeps us awake because it reminds us that this is not going to last forever and we're not having to handle this all by ourselves. The poet also says with God there's great power to redeem. And that that image of redemption is so important. You know, the the picture that, that redemption should stir to mind is this idea of being purchased or bought back from bondage. Um, I once had a cousin who was a, a drug addict and, and a really wayward uh, kid, and she stole uh, my grandfather's guitar and pawned it. And when he discovered it, he went and redeemed it. He bought it back. He took it out of Hawk and, and put it back where it was meant to be all along. That's what God does for us. Uh, when we find ourselves in dark places, the Lord will not leave us in that dark place forever. He will purchase us. He will redeem us. He has power to do that. God has power to actually bring me and you back from the places where we've fallen into bondage. And I'm just thinking right now a lot about our national history, about the way we've treated our black brothers and sisters as a predominantly white culture historically in America. And I believe the Lord is asking us to reckon with that history right now so that God's redemption can be manifested. But y'all, if we're going to experience redemption, we have to reckon with the past. Uh, if you want to experience redemption in your own personal journey, you've got to come to terms with your past. If you want to reckon and hope for redemption in your family of origin, you've got to come to terms with your past. That's a lot of what we're working on right now as we're walking through emotionally healthy spirituality. God can only redeem that which we're aware of. Uh, the Lord actually wants to make us grateful. And I think that's kind of the attitude of the, of the poet, of the psalmist here, is a sense of gratitude because we know from what we have been redeemed, from where we've come, we know the Lord has done a work. Um, redeemed people remember the depths, but they know they don't have to live there. And I think that's something that's probably uh, one of the biggest invitations for each and every one of us right now in this season of our lives Remember where you came from and thank God you don't have to live there forever. God bless you. Go in peace. We'll see you when we see you. Amen.